Welcome to Powerhouse Politics. We are joined now by Daniel Cameron, the 34-year-old Attorney General of the state of Kentucky and one of the breakout stars of the Republican Convention. Uh, Mr. Attorney General, thank you for joining us on Powerhouse Politics. Thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure to be with you all. I really appreciate it. I want to get to your views of, uh, of, of what we saw at the convention, the future of the party, and what's at stake in this election. But, but first, uh, I, I want to start, since you are the Kentucky Attorney General, you've been reviewing the Breonna Taylor case. Can you give us a, a sense of when we may see justice in that case? Uh, there, I, I gather I mean, that she was obviously killed back in March. You've had the case uh, since uh, April, I believe. Uh, when when will we see a decision about charging those officers? Well, let me uh, just step back mo- momentarily and, and talk about how this case originated with with my office. Initially, this was a case that was handled by uh, the local prosecutor. Uh, he was conflicted out for uh, different reasons. And so at that point, uh, here in Kentucky, our statutory framework allows for the attorney general to as- appoint a special prosecutor. Uh, but I t- thought it incredibly important for our office to actually take the case directly uh, because, quite frankly, we have more resources than other uh, prosecutor offices across the Commonwealth. And and when I talk about resources, I'm talking about uh, the men and women, uh, career men and women who are in this office. So we've got a wealth of knowledge and expertise uh, as it relates to our investigators in the Department of Criminal Investigations and then our career prosecutors Uh, And so we decided to take the case because of the strength of those individuals here internally that could uh, work on this matter. But also we've got great partnerships with our federal law enforcement community. Uh, The FBI has been really helpful and critical to uh, our conducting this investigation. In fact, uh, one of the uh, integral uh, components uh, to this investigation uh, is a ballistics test that we have been working to get back from the FBI. They have the ability uh, to conduct tests that, frankly, we don't at the state level. And so we've been able to utilize them. Uh, but that has extended the investigation out a little bit. Uh, it's also are important for us to undertake an independent investigation, meaning we receive stuff from the uh, local uh, police department, uh, their public integrity unit. But it was important, again, for our office to undertake a independent investigation. So that's required us uh, to interview uh, witnesses uh, to uh, make sure that we have left no stone unturned. There's no body camera foot, uh, footage uh, for this case uh, in juxtaposition with other cases that you've seen across the country. And so it, again, it becomes very fact intensive, very uh, witness interview intensive, and this ballistic report becomes incredibly important as well. So once we've uh, gotten all of that information, uh, the FBI uh, conducting its ballistics test and providing a report to us, uh, then that will be really, really helpful in us making final judgments as to what the next steps are. Uh, I'm hoping um, that uh, we'll be able to undertake that analysis soon. I know, again, uh, the criticism has been that this has taken a while, but that's because we, again, are leaving no stone unturned and making sure that we're doing a thorough investigation. Uh, and I hope people will appreciate the process that we've undertaken once this is all completed. But, but can you understand the, the, the frustration and the anger? I mean, she, of course, a 
26 year old EMT, uh, somebody, you know, uh, greatly admired, uh, you know, was killed on, on March, March, March 13th. It's almost September. Um, and, and there's still been nobody held accountable uh, for her death. Um, it, it doesn't, it seems like, seems to many like more than just a, a little bit of time. I understand the need for a thorough investigation and and wanting to do this right, but it's, I mean, again, it's, it's going to be September here in a couple of days. Yes, sir. No, we are not immune to um, uh, those criticisms and recognize um, that, that folks uh, have, have been critical of the process uh, in terms of the, the length of, of how long the investigation has occurred. Um, but look, I had an occasion, uh, an opportunity to meet with Ms. Taylor's family, uh, uh, Tamika Palmer and Bianca Austin and some other representatives of the family as well. That was an opportunity for me to say to them directly that one, um, our heart breaks for the fact that you lost uh, your daughter, a, a valued, uh, just as you noted, Jonathan, a valued member uh, of the family. Uh, so we understand how critically important it is for us to undertake a thorough investigation. And I said to the family uh, that we are leaving no stone unturned. I, I recognize that it's taking longer than anybody would want. But my responsibility as the attorney general uh, is to not make rash judgments, but to make uh, uh, very wise and considered judgments based on the facts and based on uh, the interviews that we've done, based on this ballistics report. Uh, so there uh, is every uh, desire to make sure that we get this right here in the AG's office. And again, I know Kentuckians and I know uh, you, everyone across the nation is interested in this case, again, because there was a loss of life of, of someone um, in, in, in our community. And uh, everyone that is involved in this case, uh, uh, Ms. Taylor, Tamika Palmer, everyone who is involved, the police officers, we need to make sure that we get this right. And so, again, we completely understand uh, those that uh, have been critical of this process, but we also have a responsibility and a fidelity to uh, the facts and the truth. And that's what we're aiming to do uh, with this very thorough investigation. Mr. Attorney General, you gave a, a stirring speech, a, a, a highlighted speech, one of the one of the main prime time speeches uh, the, the other night at the convention. And you talked about uh, from the perspective of, of a black man talking about Joe Biden and the comments he's made, including the, the now infamous you ain't black if you don't uh, if you're considering voting for, for Donald Trump over over Joe Biden. Uh, but you, you didn't reference and I haven't read any of the speakers um, white or of color this week reference uh, the, the president's own comments um, that have been construed as racist in the past. Uh, very fine people on both sides have to Charlottesville. He just he retweeted a white power video just a couple of weeks ago. In your mind, does, does Donald Trump get a pass for those comments because he's of the same party as you? Or or, or is there an importance to, 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 to bring the, the truth about comments like that to light as well? Well, I think what I hope I was trying to articulate uh, the other evening, in, in some ways, I think what we've seen exposed by uh, Vice President Biden's remarks is a a, almost a taking for granted uh, a large segment of the votes here in this country. So when someone says, if you ain't voting for me, you ain't black, it's an indication in my view that that person just assumes without any work or without any thought given to how they might approach a particular community um, that 
that will be a, a collective or a block vote. Um, what I tried to uh, convey the other evening is that we are not uh, all the same uh, in terms of there is diversity within the black community. I think that was the message that I was trying to articulate is that we all have uh, uh, different values and different uh, interpretations of uh, the political parties here uh, in this country. I, look, am a proud supporter of the Republican Party, uh, a proud member of the Republican Party. Uh, and I think what Vice President Biden said was demonstrating that he sees us uh, just as a block of votes to be taken for granted, as opposed as opposed to having to provide uh, any sort of real policies uh, or or real solutions to some of the uh, the issues and challenges uh, that this community uh, faces. Can you understand why a black voter, even a, you know, an independent, a Democrat, or Republican, might be hesitant though to vote for Donald Trump, given his past comments? Again, we are all individuals with. Um, a whole set of different journeys and, and different paths that we've taken to to this particular moment uh, in in history. And so I hope that just like any other group of people, uh, that we as a, a collective wouldn't be taken for granted and it would just be assumed that we we're voting for one, one particular party. Uh, in many ways, the African-American community is told that they have to speak with one voice, and that is the voice of the Democratic Party. Again, I hope what my remark conveyed is that we are all individuals uh, and that we all have the ability to make assessments and, and wise and deliberate assessments about who we ultimately want to vote for in November. I'm voting for President Trump because uh, ultimately he has uh, done everything he possibly can in terms of our economy to build an economy that works for everyone. Uh, and, and minorities obviously benefited from that com, com, uh, economy. Uh, and so when I go home and, and have Sunday dinner uh, with my mom after church, uh, she's somebody else that is a, a proud supporter of, of Donald Trump. Um, so we recognize, again, uh, based on faith and, and the values that uh, my, my parents instilled in me, uh, that the Republican Party is, is the party of the everyday man and, and woman. And so it is the values that I hold dear that are consistent with the Republican Party. Again, uh, folks that look like me have to make their own decisions. But in my judgment, what Joe Biden uh, articulated uh, was a, a very narrow view of uh, black folks and African-Americans in this community. And they, the view that suggests that if you're black, you've got to vote for the Democratic Party, which I just do not subscribe to. And I know there are a lot of folks across this country that look like me that don't subscribe to that either. So I, I totally get that, and, and, you, and you've made that case, and I think you made it very forcefully, and, uh, you know, Biden's statement was, frankly, you know, pretty outrageous. I've, I've covered uh, politics for a long time. I, you know, covered J.C. Watts back in the day when he first got, a, got into Congress. Uh, I, I know there have been a lot of very uh, influential and, and uh, uh, important uh, black Republicans. Uh, today, we can point to Tim Scott. And maybe you're going to be in that, uh, you know, maybe you'll become in a Washington at some point, who knows. But, but, but let me just get, get back to what Rick has now asked you twice and, and, and see if, if, if you can answer this. What about Donald Trump? What about when Donald Trump goes out there and says there are very fine people on both sides? When he says that Black Lives Matter is a symbol of hate? When he says that Bubba Wallace perpetuated a hoax? 
when all he did was see a noose hanging in his garage? Uh, what about uh, when uh, he goes out there and strongly defends the Confederate flag? Uh, what I mean, d d does does this stuff bother you? Uh, do do you think that you know? I mean, what what do you what goes through your head when you see the president do something like this, or do you just say, yeah, I don't care? I mean, does it matter? What what I will say is that I have had um, numerous occasions to, to be with the president, and um, he's always treated me with respect. He's been very interested in what's going on in Kentucky from uh, law enforcement and the attorney general perspective, uh, and. Uh, so I, I am not, um, you know, here uh, to to cast uh, any sort of wide net in terms of the comments that have been made by the president. What I will say is that, again, my remarks the other evening uh, were just in terms of a thought process uh, that we've seen from Joe Biden that demonstrates a lack of of interest in getting to know each individual of the African-American community and speaking to us individually as opposed to assuming because you look a particular way, uh, you have to vote a particular way. So um, that is, uh, you know, ultimately I, the, the voters uh, in November will make the decision about um, who they believe is best for the country. I believe President Trump is best for this country uh, because of a whole host of issues, whether, whether it be economically, uh, or whether uh, it is uh, related to how he fights every day for the American worker. So I appreciate, um, you know, the values that this party upholds, uh, and I think they've been consistent with the way that the president has conducted himself over the last four years. Mr. Attorney General, I, I'm curious what what the week has been like for you in this the, the national exposure here. And if you think about this and, and look at the the range of voices that have been showcased at the at the convention this week, black and brown Republicans who have spoken in very very personal terms about why they're Republicans. How long do you think it is before there's a person of color on a national ticket as a Republican? Well, I, I think that. Um anyone uh, who decides, uh, regardless of their color, uh, that um, they want to get into the, uh, the, the pull and tug of national politics um, can have a fair shot. Look, it, it is, uh, I've run just a state level campaign. We've got 120 counties here in Kentucky, uh, and it can be a grueling process. And so there are a lot of uh, steps that a person has to uh, analyze and a lot of conversations that have to be uh, had prior to anyone making the leap to the national stage, uh, regardless of that person's color. Look, I will tell you that um, when I went to some counties in the Commonwealth, again, we've got 120 here, uh, I think I increased the black population by 100%. Um, so I, I am not, you know, look, I, I think what has been, you know, again, you all know the, this story well, that I'm, I'm the first independently elected African-American uh, to hold statewide office here in Kentucky. We've had uh, Janine Hampton, who was lieutenant governor here, but she ran as part of a, a ticker, ticket with Governor Bevin. I never initially sort of made the determination based on my skin color. I said, what are my values and are those values consistent with the Commonwealth's? And I think as I articulated my vision for the role of attorney general, what I found is that people were interested in my message and what that message meant uh, 
for the next four years in the attorney general's office. And so I was fortunate to to win a primary against somebody who was very talented. Again, uh, won uh, over 100 counties in a primary, again, against another very strong uh, Republican. And then I went on to the the general election and ran against somebody who had significantly higher name ID than I had at the beginning of the process, uh, but still won because my values were consistent with the values of the majority of Kentucky. Uh, and so I am what what I think the, the the question that will have to be be asked is, you know, who are the people that are just willing to step up to the plate? And if you're willing to step up to the plate, I think the American voter I know here in in Kentucky, will give you a fair shake and will hear your message. Uh, and then you have to ultimately see uh, where everything falls. But I don't think um, uh, the, the color of someone's skin will, will be a barrier uh, as we uh, move into subsequent elections uh, for statewide and nationwide office. Um, it's really about your message and what your values are. Okay. All right. Uh, Attorney General of Kentucky, Daniel Cameron, really uh, great to talk to you. Congratulations on the big speech. Uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing from you in the future, and I hope we'll hear from you real soon uh, in, in terms of the, uh, the Breonna Taylor case. But thank you for taking time to, uh, to talk to us here on Powerhouse Politics. Thank you, gentlemen, as well. I'm grateful. Thank you. All right, Rick, that is all the time we have for Powerhouse Politics. We will be back next week. Susie Liu, Avery Miller, and the entire Powerhouse Politics team, thank you very much.